you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Because, of course, the first thing, she's like, well, did you reboot your computer? Yes, oh my God, yes, we did that. We're not coming to you because we didn't think of that. I get that. You know what I mean? My, my experience with tech support is almost always I have to tell them. So please, I really am knowledgeable. Don't run through the usual. If you can, if you have a playbook, flip to like page 15 and let's start there because right. I've already tried all the basics. I really, yeah. really have. When, when I was the admin of this insurance company down in Columbus, uh, we had a ton of Dell computers. So we had a big support uh, thing and I called in and they're like, well, so hold down control, hold down. I'm like, okay, stop, hold on. Here's what I've done. And I would say, I've done this, I've done this, this, that, and blah, blah, blah. And they, oh, well, let's move you up to level two tech support or level three, you know, on a, right, so right. finally they marked it. And the couple times I got up to level three or four, they marked it. Hey, just skip. So I would call in and give our number and they go, hold on, put me on and hold and send you to right to it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I, I usually got the same guy. He's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? What's the weather? You know? Right. Right. So. <laughs> Actually they must love occasionally having not just the, have you turned back on? You know, they must love having someone they can actually talk about. Okay, this is a tricky one. You right. know, have you gone here and here and here? You're going to have to do some adjustment of your memory allocation or whatever right. else it might be. You know, it's. It, I, I remember the one time because we had like a dozen salespeople out. They had laptops, they had portable printers, but they had an office with a printer and a monitor there. Okay. And so the problems they would end up with were almost always the same some sort of connectivity because at that time, you had to have a Wi-Fi card. Remember those days? It wasn't That's filled right in. Okay. Um, and so it was like, you know, a list of 10 things that would happen quite often with the salespeople. I had it down. I knew what was needed. And I remember the one time I'm sitting at my desk, my leaning back, my feet up on the desk, I have my head back and my eyes are shut. And I'm just talking to this salesperson and I hear a noise and I open my eyes and look, and my manager is standing at my desk. And I'm like, oh, crap. Sorry, Mark. And he laughs. He's like, what were you doing? And I'm like, well, I really, I was working. I wasn't sleeping. I'm like, I was helping so-and-so. He's like, but right. you weren't even looking at your computer. I'm like, no, I didn't need to. And he's like, do right. you do all your tech support with your eyes shut? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with your mittens on and with right. every sensory deprivation tank thing you can do. Exactly. Right. So anyway. No, what? Go ahead. No, I, I know we all, we often tease back and forth about platforms. There's any number of times. So I used to do, you know, I was part of the end user computing support services group at uh, Ameritech where I did troubleshooting throughout the firm. And this is back in the days of you had to put in like control codes in Lotus one, two, three <laughs> spreadsheets in order to be able to flip it from portrait to landscape. So it's really, and back in the, there really was memory stuff. The limb standard was able you to get past 640 K and be able to, to do more, et cetera. <laughs> Every time when I would go home to my Macintosh where everything just worked and I didn't have to wear this before Wi-Fi cards, this is when you had LAN cards and they, there was multiple competing standards from, you know, Ethernet, Vine, uh, uh, just that. You always had to do, my troubleshooting consisted of 
even though they've talked about how they tried to standardize things as a corporation, they've got multiple generations of stuff and where do I stand? And every single time, many times, it was, wow, all I have to do is just all those upgrades that they've neglected, all those drivers that they haven't installed, right. all you had to do was just get their machine up to the best it could be. And it cleared all kinds of problems. Yeah. But the users, they didn't, they not only didn't know how to do it, they were kind of scared of learning how to do it. They just wanted, I just want to do my work. I just want right. to you know, be the matter, master of uh, property accounting and stuff like that. And so, you know, how you, you used to carry around like a a toolkit of various different floppies with various different <laughs> installers. And it would just be first, let's check. They always think it's a virus. So you run right back then it was Norton or whatever, and you run all the malware stuff. And then you say, okay, we know it's not that, but it's probably just that you've got a little dust in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Not physical dust. You got this thing set to how you first right. acquired it. And, and back then it wasn't like plop the thing in. It had installers. You really had to like know enough DOS to be able to, run things in DOS, you had to drop out of the, the, the Windows operating system. And then they really think like you're a techno priest, right. you know what I mean? Right. It really is. Once, and I had to carry my manuals with me because when you do something that has like 18 parameters and if you forget a comma that separates parameters, Arr. it does fuck up. So yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, okay, give me a moment because I really got to concentrate, you know, comma, 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 why? <laughs> comma, comma. You know kind of yeah, yeah. And oh, well. But, I worked but then when you fixed it, Boy, were you the hero. You know what I mean? Yep. I worked for a point of sale company where we literally ripped out the Windows GUI and only ran on command. And let me tell you, it is not an easy thing to get the GUI removed from Windows, even back in the NTX, NT days and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's dropping into either DOS or the, you know, the terminal mode in Macintosh was the same kind of thing. Yeah. And then, of course, you really have to be careful, you know, if like, had a guy that had an extensive um back when there was db3 you know before it was fox space before it moved into other databases and there was like data you couldn't lose but he hadn't made a backup and so then you're like okay there's something funky about your disk and first thing i'm going to do is try to make a backup oh you don't have enough memory to and like it really there was a time when <laughs> the future of this department was in my hands because he had gotten to the point of if anything goes wrong it really you can't lose data that's the card yep. rule oh and yet Oh my God, was he in danger? <laughs> I just got a call from somebody yesterday, uh, practically in tears because she has a laptop, but everything she does for work is saved on a USB drive. And over the Christmas break, one of her grandchildren bent that and it snapped. And she had like seven years worth of everything saved on it. And I'm like, okay, so we're trying to recover it. And I remember once my ex-brother-in-law his said my computer is just not running well i think it's full i'm like well it could be you know when drives get full the cash and all that right. so i was looking at it and i'm like stuff looks weird he goes well yeah i was trying to clear up space so i was getting rid of folders i didn't need i'm like what did you get he says well that yeah. windows folder i tried to delete it <laughs> i'm like well you're screwed yeah yeah really <laughs> and the funny thing is nowadays with the computers I, yeah. I still, to this day, always get people going, hey, we're looking at getting a new computer. What do you recommend? And I'm like, seriously, everything's equal. I mean, the stuff five years ago is still powerful enough to do just about everything people do. Right. And the newest stuff is just, we can make movies on the new stuff. So believe me, when you're getting on a web browser and reading email and Facebook, 
it can handle it. I mean, you right. know, people are like, well, I want to make sure it can handle. Believe me, there isn't anything out there that can't handle what you're doing. Right. It's kind of funny. Some of the best advice that I ever had was what computer should I get? Um, the person that you think is going to be doing all your tech support, get what <laughs> yeah, they have. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Because I still help my, my family, mostly my father out. And, and as they had occasionally windows machines, cause it was recommended cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. I always had to say, you know, I'm, um, I know a lot about this, but it's not my day-to-day -day computer. If you get a Mac, then it'll be a two-minute phone call anytime something goes right. glitchy. And and I think you'll enjoy the experience more because most things will just work. You run, won't run into a driver weirdness or something like that. And if, it, it didn't take a lot of convincing, but it was one of those things because he had to have compatibility with his work stuff and they used Windows files. I really had to like demonstrate for him, Office really is cross-platform. You really won't lose access to your Word and Excel and your PowerPoint stuff. Off. And and occasionally you might get um, the fonts aren't exact matches, and so something that you have here when you print it back at work, you might have to go into page setup and force it to fix margins right. or something like that. But otherwise, just that the fonts will all be there. If you anyway, it was it was um, I don't know. I, I'm happy to help my dad, but I also don't want it to be that they're scared of. Oh my God, don't touch it. My mom is still a little right. bit spooked. You know what I mean? She's just doesn't they that don't understand the difference between oh. like memory and storage yeah something as basic as that and so i well most people don't it. understand that <laughs> and i guess that's true you know but and, and i, I try to say okay so the first thing is you can't really wreck anything but you know what i've told you about making backups if you if you don't have that little external backup drive the hp that we bought you <laughs> always hooked up so it's doing things in the background we have no place to retreat to so though i always tell you you can't really wreck anything you let's be careful because right. <laughs> right. your data is all in that USB drive and your son just threw it in a glass of milk. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I gotta... <laughs> well, I had a friend that was hated Microsoft and didn't like Apple because they were just as corporate, which I would argue they've gotten worse than they were in the eighties, nineties, but that's a whole nother argument. Mm -hmm. So in like the late nineties, his mother wanted a new computer. So he helped her out. He set her up and put Linux on a machine for her right. this lady is a technophobe she doesn't like computers she just wanted to do a few things she's like oh linux is great and she hated it and he complained and complained because she was always calling him for help he's like well here just open up a terminal window and type this and you see it's that easy and she's like that's not easy right <laughs> you, you know <laughs> whatever I I have never become a big, I totally admire and one, I love that the fact that Linux, Unix are still out there and that they're still making like so many web servers, so much stuff is, it absolutely requires it. It's the underpinnings to the Mac operating system, but to give someone raw Linux and maybe even with their equivalent of the GUI on top of it and stuff like that, it really is still for technophiles who love yeah. doing that kind of stuff. They love yeah. getting their elbows in, you know, into the elbows of how do I configure this correctly and right. stuff like that. And and so I, I always have been, I want the thing that makes me the most productive, the most quickly, you know what I mean? Even if it's not, um, has the greatest number of choices of peripherals and stuff like that. It's like, well, all I got to do is read the reviews and find the good one. And then I'll never make that choice again, as long as I own this computer, right. et cetera, et cetera, you know? So, and, and, and it definitely, you know, using computers for what you like to do is one thing, but liking computers to work on computers is a completely different thing. And that's right. Too. I use Linux on my Raspberry Pi now. And I think that's the perfect compromise for me because 
I have given it a few chances through the years, put it on my laptop, put it on my desktop, tried to use it. And I can, I can do all my programming, all my coding and that. But every time I needed to do something, it's like, well, try and find what they have and then config and make and run the commands. And, oh, it's not compiling correctly. Why not figure this and link this library? And there's just too much manual work to do to get it done so you can do your actual work. And I'm I not 15 and enjoy doing that just for the sake of doing it anymore. That's a great way to do it. In fact, this is kind of funny when, you know, I've, I've been a computer guy for a long time. Um, back when the web kit first came along and it was HTML and the, the reference that I made to, hey, we're going to have to learn how to use control codes to search from portrait to landscape. It was such an incredible step back from the land of WYSIWYG where Apple had taken care of that and everything looked like it should and acted like it should that you actually had to be uh, become very aware of relative placement of things on screen and if you change anything it didn't just change that thing it ripple affected through a whole bunch of different stuff you know a whole bunch of your code could get slurped up into a previous <laughs> segment of code and so the, the taking the step back i really objected to it because i always thought i don't mind learning new things i hate having to say well this is kind of a bastard child part way not <laughs> exactly and right. what, where I'm, I'm continually aware of this environment has gaps in it that I have to account for my knowledge of how does this work and then throw CSS in there where it does a whole bunch of formatting in the background. And you, when I, I used to, I, I have done over the course of time, a lot of database website design connectivity type things, you know what I mean? Middleware. And I, the reason that I learned to use virtualization was because I had to be able to run um, multiple, not only Windows, but multiple versions of Windows and multiple browsers under there. So I could just make sure that this website that I designed to be as HTML 345 compatible was um, robust enough that it didn't break based on someone else's idea of a standard. Right. You know, Microsoft is known for embrace, extend, extinguish. They continually <laughs> had new things that if you used it, it really made it a little bit better. But when you tried to run things that use those Microsoft specific things on any other browser, it was like, well, I guess now I'm addicted to Explorer because right. I, uh, and so I, it, for, you know, the great quote about, you know, standards are wonderful. You know, everybody gets one. You know what I mean? I, I really liked it when I could write once and have it work everywhere. But the amount of testing that I had to do to verify that was the case to kind of prove it, it was coding had become 20% of the time and testing 80% instead of the reverse, which is right. what it should be. Right. And they've gotten better about that now. They really have development environments that kind of do a whole bunch of that testing for you. They're aware of the various different standards for various different browsers and environments and you can actually run a whole bunch of checks that say this is something that isn't constant across everything the way to do it might be a little bit less slick and powerful but you will not bump into devious compatibility issues <laughs> if you right. don't use this you know right. especially when you've used something and then they deprecate it oh well that let's put you know i i did hope you don't mind i go you know a lot of what I did early in my career when I worked with Pete Marwick was um, fixing horrible tangled spaghetti code. Yeah. A lot of companies had big bases of COBOL, you know, big utilities, big insurance companies, big banks, the ones that had, had to move to big iron early. So they had already a portfolio of stuff, but it was all stuff along the lines of, oh my God, don't touch it. You don't know what will change. You know, <laughs> right. The guy that's been here for 20 years that knows how to do this. And so the, the theory of what's called the catalyst group, part of Pete Marvick was we will make your spaghetti code 
go-to based, if you will, COBOL code into structured COBOL, where it really is more understandable. You can have um, junior people learn exactly what it does much more easily than being addicted to this one guy. And not only because then you have to worry about his salary concerns, right. but what if he dies in the fiery bus crash? You know, the right. first things that I had to deal with FBC wise were, my God, he's left the company and he didn't document anything. And so <laughs> someone really is having to go through mountains of, you know, white green banded paper to just figure out what the heck this was doing and as you might imagine with 2000 looming there was a lot of that going on right. as my career progressed from 83 towards 2000 so anyway going from those kinds of things of being always about writing more maintainable code and stuff like that and and just the standards that you have for your own stuff i never liked the c language in lots of ways because i thought it was a write-only language I would look at my code from two or three years before, and because you had to do certain things really close to the metal, very efficiently right. in C, you, unless you virtualized, unless you um, encapsulated and used its class system, there's a whole bunch of reasonable standards for C. And, and I tried to, I tried to do all that well, and yet it didn't have robust variable naming. And I know I'm really geeking it up here, but you know, if you do any kind of coding, it really is, I preferred languages that I could, um, be confident that I'd be able to understand not what somebody else, but what I myself was right. doing three years before. We, we oh. don't do assembly anymore. <laughs> of course not. Exactly. In fact, that I, I use a, a package called fourth dimension, a very powerful database package for the Macintosh. And, and that's what I wrote Gambit in my, my artificial intelligence based trading systems from 20 years ago. And one of the reasons that I loved it, 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 it wasn't only about it had great database capabilities and speed. It was that, it was as close as what I thought instinctively understandable code was so that whenever I decided, well, now I got to try something new, I'm going to, I could easily jump back in and, and not have to continually refactor my code to make it so that I created better subroutines had, I, I don't know, I just, it, it, it was a very good match between how my mind works and 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 what it offered as a package, if you will, and had a compiler. You know, a lot of database packages, you're like, you're continually doing it in um, interpreted mode where right. there's there's background going on instead of making it a nice tight, maybe assembler, co closer I mean, threaded P code, as they say in the Microsoft world. So the fact that I could make it all perfect and then compile that and not worry about it, except all I do is gain efficiency. You know what I mean? Right. I was going to be maintaining it in the, in the bastardized P code way. Well, I... Boy, did I become good at <laughs> thinking, and I, well, I've worked in multiple languages and you kind of just get that feel for what's the easiest for you to work with. And then, and if I ever had collaborators, it was, so here's my, um, you can see my style. You know what I mean? You can look at computer code and kind of tell who wrote it in a lot of different ways. And, and this is they actually, I just read an article recently online that when you read computer code, you don't read it as a language. And this is really true. And I've not been able to voice this easily when I try to explain to others. It's kind of like if you watch the Queen's Gambit, the chess movie, you, the way your mind thinks about a chess game is, is not um, a series of moves. It's, it's templates, plies for what situations you want to get into. And it's probabilities. It's zones of control. There's a whole bunch of automatically meta thinking that your mind does instead of just saying, if I do this, they'll do this. Because that quickly has combinatorial explosion and that's not how you can look at it. You have to look for what are the things that are perpetual um, incremental advantage and move yourself continually towards those things where you're pushing against their 
defensive wall, if you will, and you're able to make either quick penetrations or just overwhelm over the course of time. But, but it's not a, ever a direct line of thought. And while you're looking at code, it's a similar thing. Right. You're looking at it as it's constructs. It really is the, here's the, um, the loops that you're going to do something multiple. Here's the, uh, the choices you're making it. And if then else, here's it, it you, I don't know, uh, my mind, maybe because I, the reason I'm relatively good at it is because my mind visualizes that relatively quickly. And when I'm reading somebody else's code, that's what you're looking for is the signs of, I, it's not like I'm reading, um, a new language word for word. If you're reading any romance language, it has certain constructs that you expect. This is where the verb and the noun are going to go. This right. is how it does its declension. And so I know I'm jumping all around, but it's kind of cool. There's a book called The Language Instinct by Steven Pinker that really talks about that language is a, it's so native to how human beings are that it's not something we learn to do. It's more like our brain was specifically designed to do it or that it quickly goes towards things that make language easier because it's so necessary to our survival as a group as a species as a group animal and stuff like that and so i though i'm not really a multilingual guy i don't have facility in 10 languages like some people do i quickly see those interesting patterns of this in spanish french you know here's the romance languages here's the slavic languages you can quickly see how the whole branches of languages when you see the big map of languages of the world it's like wow if i have a little bit of each of these i will not be totally a c in any of those things and and so of course what am i lithuanian where the closest language to Lithuania is like Sanskrit. And I'm not kidding. It's like a tribe from India broke away, wandered all the way across Asia into Europe, hit the Baltic Sea and said, okay, good enough. We'll stop here. And it's just so unlike all the other languages around it that my own home tongue, kind of like Hungarian, there's certain languages that are very much unlike what else is right. around it and very much difficult to learn because you don't get those, the scaffolding you get from other languages, it's just not available <laughs> in certain languages. So that was a whole, wow, my mind jumping around there. But you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's very cool to be, um, have a facility for it and also realize, well, this has limitations too. Right. <laughs> so, well, you, you were talking about computer languages and yeah. uh, my mind flashed back. I don't remember the last time I used a go to or a go sub. I mean, I right. hadn't even thought about that in forever. Looking at old basic programs where that was a standard construct. It, it really is funny to be like, wow, what were we thinking back then? Right. This well, is inherently not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> you and have the, to know the line of where you're going to. It's not right. like a named section or something like that. And the funny <laughs> thing is, as I learned more advanced programming languages, I, my first thought was, man, I, I need my go-tos. I need my go. How will I, you know, do that? And then I started learning object-oriented and you know programming on the web and all sorts of stuff. And I look at it now and I'm like, oh my god, I could. How could we ever do that? It's just so horrible <laughs> and the code talk about spaghetti code i mean it's like impossible not to have that so yeah it's funny you know, I, I was director of databases for progressive for a, a multiple years and we had you know there's code that runs behind databases stored procedures and stuff like that and one of the big things i noticed in in progressives programming community is they had people that really had gone from you know like a say a sequential programming model to then maybe structured COBOL and stuff like that, but them making the leap to object orientation, really using class structures and, and C, if you will, 
some people really, they resisted it and maybe they couldn't do it. And they could see that this is where their career, like they better be really good at maintaining old code because th there will be stuff around. There's still stuff running, I'm sure, on governmental systems in Lansing, yeah. Michigan that they can't get rid of it. So you got to have your Watt 4, Watt 5 specialists. In fact, I know a guy who, who does that. But having said that, as the whole world moves forward towards object orientation and like the idea of that, um, it's a, it's a series of demons waiting to be called upon to do something, not <laughs> you in control of everything. Right. And, and it, it's a difficult leap for some people to make. Maybe an impossible one. Their mind right. doesn't do that next thing of, I'm not telling it what to do. I'm telling a whole bunch of little idiot savants what to do. And then I throw <laughs> them requests. You know what I mean? Right. It's that you have it, having your, your basic execution loop where it's always running and waiting for you is it's a different thought it is totally <laughs> totally so jump, jumping around a little bit we're done with christmas uh how things go how was your christmas anything was, exciting ogilby and stuff well, exactly we, we did we made the drive to ogilby and and uh it, you know it's west virginia so it was two and three quarter hours from here we obviously stopped and said hey to you yes. and so merry christmas again merry thank you christmas, very much for yeah. the cool game exactly that and uh it was Really cool and spectacular, but in the overall three hours worth of driving each way to do it, I think I'm going to have to do some of the other things that you had mentioned, like go to the Dickens recreation. Right. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, especially around Christmas, I, I want to be able to, like when I go sightseeing, I really didn't want to be in the hills of West Virginia where it's dangerous roads. I want to be on nice roads <laughs> right. to have snow covered trees. You know what I mean? Right. And so, I, 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 I thought kind of the same thing. I thought Ogilvy was really nice pretty we enjoyed it we love seeing all the lights but it's not like ooh ah that's the first thing that comes to mind that i have to go do again um exactly. but i know five years or something you know yeah I mean? we'll, we'll make a we'll make a little uh special thing out of it right yeah. they but if you go look they offer packages so you stay at the resort and they have special things going on yeah. there and the lights and so i mean they kind of make it a little getaway thing Exactly. So. And in, if it wasn't the age of COVID and we weren't looking <laughs> to stay, it would have been like, and in fact, it's kind of funny, you know, we got there and we're enjoying the pretty lights and then Colleen and I kind of look at each other and goes, you know, we just drove three hours. I don't really need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and so to find a place that was um, you could go to the bathroom, but also that there was this huge line down the door. We had, we went like looking in the facility and found other bathrooms downstairs and Thank the gods we did because I was really worried about man. <laughs> I have to go. I can't believe I'm a, a fully grown adult, I'm a grown ass man, and yet this is, you know what I mean? It just yeah. was. Oh, so, well. Sometime I'll tell you the story of Jason. We have stories about that. So. Okay. <laughs> but let me say again, uh, the the gift you gave me the comic was mind blowing, utterly amazing. I mean, I was just so shocked, and it's amazing perfect i i mean i don't know how to express enough to you here i'll be a writer i can't talk i don't know words <laughs> honestly um, it's my pleasure Stephen. you know as you know i've been going to the vaults and cataloging all my comics and then i you had just mentioned your story of your wife having gotten like number two of this right. series, and then it's like you know i have not only number one i have a, a, an extra and i just thought that would really be just a nice it was the pyramid wonderful. And I told Colin, yeah, I, I don't know if you've gotten to play the game yet, but I told Colin, I said, yeah, I picked up this game. I, it said Alan all over it. You know, it was perfect, but it was not like you've been anticipating waiting it for years right. and, and, and stuff. It was like a nice little gift. I said, I feel kind of bad. I feel like my gift's almost not worthy oh. enough. And, you know, Colin said, he looked at me, says, well, Alan only spent 30 cents on yours. 
<laughs> true. <laughs> and that's true. You know, that, that plus hermetically sealed away for a couple decades. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, Colleen and I have had, there's multiple discussions going on about what I'm doing in the vaults. I've had things in storage for a long time and storage isn't free at cost. And so yeah. in some ways that my nut, my, my overhead that I have to overcome when I'm finally selling some comic books is the cost of having had things in storage for 20 years. Right. But luckily if I had moved to town and tried to sell things back then, 2000 ish, um, so much of my value my appreciation is not only because of the course of 20 years it's also 20 years worth of comic book movies coming out right and then being even more in the public consciousness and 20 years of the maturity of the comic marketplace to say they really do have the grading services the pressing services the auction sites that that the facilities for my getting reasonable value for wow i i got this i held on to it kept it in good condition for a long time and now it really is considered a collectible like a coin or a stamp in a way that there's a it's a guaranteed hold of value you know what i mean when they talk about what is money <laughs> this thing is that it will not go down in price it will only gain because there's known scarcity and known good condition and stuff right. and so I, I think i i've laughed I have a whole bunch of stuff from the 60s that I kept in pretty good condition, but I really wasn't conscious when I was 6, 8, 10 of right. keeping that perfect. Whereas since I've been buying comic books as a semi-adult, let's say from the early 70s on, I've really kept things in good condition. So if you go from like end of the Silver Age to the start of the Marvel Age, bronze and so forth, some of the things that I'm going to have good value in are not only because it's scarce, but because I really was wise enough to say, this really is right. a 9-8. It's in perfect condition. So what did I just discover? I'm going through the, some of the W's. And it's, you know, where where creatures roam, where monsters dwell, that kind of stuff. Well, one of the W's is werewolf by night. And what's number 32 is the first appearance of Moon Knight. Oh, and which is that, coming out. Yes. And it's that perfect strike of, who knew that werewolf by night number 32 you know what i mean you're right. well into the series it's not a number one it's not a 50th anniversary edition it's not a big change of artist and writer but the the brilliance of i think it was doug mensch who you know that, that created that character and then it immediately caught on as now that's that's a cool we should use him more not just a one shot and he started off as a villain you know he was there to kill right, werewolf right. by night you know his costume was made of silver and stuff but that's such a nice thing to like to turn the comic books over and go oh, I do have this. And then you put it into your database, you know, the collector's software that I use. And it's like, and it comes back with the cha-ching of right. what is worth on the current market. It's like, well, isn't that nice? That <laughs> this perfect, you know, mid seventies. And I've had a couple other things that are like that, 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 um, you know, Marvel premiere number 15 or something like that is the first Iron Fist. And similar, you know, by anything that goes TV famous is so much different than anything in the comic book community. You know, once you get on TV, the whole world kind of knows about it. Right. There's affection for those characters that, that is just beyond anything that might have been no matter how many comic book stores were open. So my discovering good old Guardians of the Galaxy wonderful, you know, Alias, you know, that when Alias came out, they became Jessica Jones. I'm just, I'm kind of amazed that I, i've always been a completist i have all these things and now they're turning out to be pretty good pretty yeah, valuable cool. so we'll see you know that the thing we laughed about of if i'm able to say okay i i sold this comic book and then colleen and i went on a worldwide cruise <laughs> some of these things are really that valuable that right. that's a possibility that i really get to say my fun story to tell is that i was weird enough to have bought werewolf by night <laughs> <laughs> and all 32 you know, i think it's like the title ran maybe like 48 issues in 32 nestled in the middle is moon Knight, and 
but boom, look at this wonderful relic that I right. have. <laughs> yeah, in the 80s, if you say you have a comic book collection, you get beat up. In the 2020s, you say you have a comic book collection, people want to know how much it's worth and they want to know what characters are that. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's a good time to be a nerd. <laughs> You know, it really is. You know what I mean? Whatever geek or however much geekery has um, penetrated the public consciousness. And, and we've talked about this, you know, maybe from our very first episode, my, my definition, my working definition of being a nerd or a geek is not, you know, the little kid that gets beat up. It's always been, you have enthusiasms that aren't mainstream, but you really love them. And so you, right. just, you love them so much that you're willing to put up with the kind of the downlook from most of the public. But then when most of the public says, Wow, you know, how is caring about D and D stats any different than caring about my football stats? And and it just has and, and TV has had any any number, like I said, the comic book movies coming out, all the comic book shows. It, the reason that they're popular is not because only the superhero thing, it's because they've always told stories about people like could you be a hero in a difficult situation? Could you make the right moral choice? Um, you know, it's the end of the world coming. What are you going to do to avert it? What are you going to do to live past that and be one of the survivors that builds a better new world? And I, the fact that those are themes, you know, during the pandemic, <laughs> you have to be thinking of how do you really treat your neighbors? You know what I mean? Who's the, the good guy in the neighborhood? Do you, do you hole up like the Omega Man or do you have a bat cave where you've got all your special equipment? I, I don't know. They comic books have been in so many different places about corruption. You know, for a long time, comics couldn't even show cops being corrupt. And then they had right. some big breakthrough titles where, man, what do you do with Sons of the Serpent, where there really is kind of a whole fifth column of bad guys trying to get their way into government and police and whatever else and subvert the law. You know, if right. you're already a vigilante and yet you're the one fighting for the most justice because the lawmakers, the lawgivers have become corrupt themselves. That's really a theme for our times. Yeah. So, and, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> anyway. it, it, it's just, it's nice uh, that, that, that it's kind of more mainstream, uh, you know, you can, and yes. not only because it's like, Hey, we were always right, but man, there's so <laughs> much more cool stuff to get. I, there's too much cool stuff. Yeah. I, I love that. I'm able to share stories of, you know, this is, how much I love these things and that people can appreciate them more instead of just being, well, that's kind of geeky. But it's not <laughs> only kind of geeky. It's, it's, I share it with enthusiasm. I share it with love. And I think that that always matters. I don't mind if I hear someone talk about how much they love skunks or how much they love, you know, gardening. It's, it's that passion. It's that love that right. really is what is interesting to me and, and serial fiction. There's a whole cool thing of as the world has always had soap operas and always had things like that. But now that we've got even more like ongoing series, binge watching, people get the idea of what's cool and important about, wow, I really watched every episode of the X-Files and it really did build over time and had surprises over time. And that was supernatural, as we just talked about recently. Yeah. And again, very cool gift with the uh, um, convention coming up for you oh. guys. It's going to be so fun. It, uh, I think that there's really value to, here's why I like it. You know what I mean? I like not only getting a story, but then being able to think about it before the next episode comes out and your mind does its own little yes, extrapolations and it does. And when you get surprised, you're like, man, I thought I really knew this series and I did not see that coming. And there's a thrill. There's a jolt yeah. to that that says how crafty those writers are to do something in Doctor Who that's been running for 50 years <laughs> that they can still go, ba-boom, you didn't think of this. Here's a new edition. Here's a... 
I love that. I right. love the skill of that. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> so, so for, for Christmas, uh, I got Gina, the supernatural convention for us to go yeah. to, yeah. um, which is in a tangible gift, but she couldn't, she was like staring at the paper and she looked it up online and she spent just very, very happy. So I'm glad we're doing that. That's going to be a Wonderful. nice memory and trip. Uh, yeah. she got me, well, I got, uh, some sketchbooks from Joe Johnston from all three of the original Star Wars movies. It was his blueprint sketches of the different vehicles and monsters very and stuff cool. in it. Yes. That's very cool. And they're the original ones from the eighties and they're in really good shape. Wonderful. So, so the I'm, behind the scenes stuff is yeah. you know, always like, you want to see that, you know, someone really had to design those things. Someone had to come up with the brilliant yeah. ideas for what this creature, this ship, this planet was going to look like. right. And you got it right in front of you. And that's yeah, very And cool. it's got, so, it shows progressions. Like, you know, yeah. what the Star Destroyer looked like originally and what they changed and then what they've settled on. Um, I got a cool sweatshirt. Gina got me that says, I don't just read books. I write them, which is very nice. Good. Yes, that is. That's a, <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, let me see. I don't know if. Uh, what, here's the, oh, is that your Batman the, one? Yeah, this is the Batman one. I, I don't want to. I can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. let me see if I lean back. I, I see the top. Here, this is the way to do it. Batman oh, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Well, that was a wonderful gift. I love that. We, we, uh, we are blessed to have wives that get it. Yes. Get how much we love it and that yes. they seek those things out. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you ever watch the TV show Castle with Nathan Fillion? Yes. In fact, it's kind of funny. We loved it. And then it went, I'm trying to think how this worked. We, for a while, we weren't, we hadn't cut the cable yet. You know, we still had network TV with a DVR and stuff like that. And then when we changed that, it didn't move to Netflix or Amazon or anything. Right. So it was unavailable for a long time. And we kind of got out of the habit. And now, even though I have it all queued up in Netflix, a whole bunch of the early ones are either long wait or coming up to unavailable. Yeah. Soon. And I'm like, I want to see them all. And how am I, <laughs> do I have to buy them? Do I have to go to the library? What am I going to do to get it? So anyway, it's I definitely like difficult. It. Well, okay. you, you remember when they all put on their protective vests that said police. And so he got the one that said writer. Yes. <laughs> she got me a t-shirt that has the protective vest on it. It says writer on it. <laughs> And, and then um, one of the really coolest ones is uh, the Funko Pops. She got me Stephen King with his dog, Molly, the thing of evil. And that's just <laughs> the coolest. Very good. Colleen got me this guy, the Batman Christmas sweater one. She got me uh, one that says, be kind. But it says it not only in the letters, but in American sign language on it. Oh, very so, cool. And that's, that's for, you know, what I mean, we're, 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 um, we're looking for ways to make the world better all the time. And that seemed like a nice one. Yeah. Um, I, I also got, um, we were up in Toronto for our comedy festival and we saw a billboard that cracked us up. And every time we see it, uh, say it, we crack up again. <laughs> it had from the um, Ontario egg board and it, it, it was these perfect looking like sunny side up eggs that said, get cracking. <laughs> Well, she looked for that and they haven't made that into a t-shirt. So what she got was a big squid and it says, get Kraken. <laughs> so it's nice. close to what we, we share as a laugh and stuff like that. But I, I just love having things that not everybody will get it, but those who will, they right. get, you just get that little look of, you know, you kind of do this little, um, uh, the sting thing where, okay, we're in this together. We, I get your reference, that right. kind of thing. Very much a mental thing in a way, but, uh, we, we uh, like to go camping every year with my cousin, uh, several times. And we always joke around. I mean, my cousin, he's a great guy, 
I love my cousin. He's one of my favorite family members, but he is definitely a redneck. And he, he comes from trailer park. We always tease him. Yeah. Well, Gary, that's okay. just trailer park trash. He doesn't care. So for camping, there's a group of us that go, we're, we want to get t-shirts where it says trailer park trash by choice. Exactly. That's a good one. Exactly. Yeah, that's a well, family thing. I, uh, I discovered a site called $6 tees a while yes. back. And, and they, as I was going through, it's like, I don't want to pick one. I want to get like 10. <laughs> right. So I really did. It was right after, I don't know, I must have gotten, you know, some money came in and I was like, I really can't afford $60 on t-shirts. But so many of them were like, this is the one, the floor is lava. You know what I mean? Which is what every little kid ever right. kind of game says. And and it's kind of funny. I tried to get, I got um, half a dozen. I got a dozen, half a dozen for Colleen, half a dozen for me. And I tried to get it so that we had a variety of colors and the various different things. And I, the, the geekier ones I got for me and still good, but more like Colleen-ish. Well, she often talks about, you know, I kind of want your shirt in my size and color because <laughs> she thinks the floor is lava is funny. And so I might have to make another big run. Right. <laughs> nice. And one, of the, one of the things I've been able to get over the years for Colleen is um, she travels um, all over Pennsylvania and Ohio and, and occasionally into like West Virginia and Virginia for work. Um, small towns have a different kind of radio in small, like small sports is a whole different world. And so she once was listening to a, a broadcast in Indiana where it was like triple A, maybe even double A, single A teams playing. And um, the, the, the uh, announcer was taking the game just as seriously as any <laughs> game. But of course, one of the team names was, you know, the most productive hitter for the Rumble Ponies tonight is XYZ. <laughs> and she just loved the idea of a, a team name being the Rumble Ponies. So as you might imagine, in this world, I don't need to go to New England to find it. I can go right. on the net. I got her a Rumble Pony shirt and she has never stopped talking about what a wonderful find that was. Nice. So now she mentioned that she's heard other ones. And over the I, I kind of like you know, this is one of the joys of Christmas is people make a reference in like February, March, and then you just don't talk about it for the rest of the year. <laughs> right. It dies down. You might make a surprise. surprise. One year I got her the yard goats, another great team, yeah. there, the yard goats. And we were just watching a, a movie, a documentary about Bill Murray. And by the way, I, I, I need to put this out on Facebook so people can watch it before it goes away. Cause it's one of those things that's listed in Facebook only uh, available through one, you know, 1229 or one, right. or whatever it's, a movie about the many encounters with him, you know, that besides him making movies, he regularly just like does random frat stuff. party. Yeah. He, you know, he, does he, dishes. He <laughs> exactly. And, and, and he's just, he's so charming and wonderful. And the movie really captures that. And having said that he's invested in a team in Charleston, South Carolina, if I remember correctly called the river dogs. And it's like, shirt number three i just need to not talk about it for a while <laughs> right right <laughs> so what it, what it not because otherwise i mean she dresses beautifully and elegantly and professionally and so i regularly get her nice things i get her alpaca sweaters and i get you know that kind of stuff but once in a while it's also just to get her something funny Fun. that when, yeah. when she wants to wear something that people are going to like see the shirt and say, where the hell did you get that? That's cool. Right. So she's yep. got a yard goat shirt. That's, <laughs> she's got that's a pretty cool. Pony. <laughs> I love, I love finding those thinking of those, you know, every year, um, I try and get something, but it's, it rotates like something will happen. So now I've got this perfect gift for a certain person this year, next year, it might not be as, <laughs> 
personal or strange and different. You know, it just depends on what happens throughout the year. That's right. Uh, and I think at Christmas isn't about, can you top yourself each year? It really is. It's <laughs> once in a while. It's wonderful. When we get a gift that people talk about 10 years later, that right. oh, it was just so perfect. That's a nice gift. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, for us, we went through two more days and then I looked at Gina and I said, Hey, why aren't you wearing the uh, thumb ring I got you? Cause she really wanted this thumb ring. She goes, what thumb ring? I'm like, Oh crap. And so we looked around. I'm like, I know I wrapped it. I know I put it here <laughs> because Jason and I were wrapping presents. I brought it down and we're looking okay. all over here. I had put it in the tree so I wouldn't forget it or lose it. Oh my God. Well, that's a very nice post Christmas thing though. That's yes. cool. Good yeah. for you. Very much. <laughs> We had some, some, you know, I sometimes have now started shopping in November, especially in the, in the, in the COVID 45 year, you know, we've been shopping for a while because you could, and I was, I bought Colleen a number of humor books this year. And, you know, we've all, always got current things from Dave Barry and Jim Gaffigan. She got me a Tom Papa book this year, for instance, George Carlin. Um, there's all, she, she writes wonderful poetry and often hilarious poetry. She's done some good song parodies and stuff like that. So I said, you know, well, there's people that are famous for that. So I got her a book of old Edward Lear. If you haven't read nice. him, I'm sure you've read some of his works because they're famous for being right. like perfectly succinct. I think he's, he might've been the one that wrote the Owl and the Pussycat. Not sure. Um, right. um, I got her old, uh, bear with me. Um <clears throat> So it'll come to me. I got her a whole bunch of Shel Silverstein. Nice. I love but him. You know what? I realized when it, we got to Christmas and everything was being unwrapped is, I know I ordered those. Where the heck are they? And so I never got the box because I know if I would have opened the box, I got her the whole set. I got her all eight books of the Shel Silverstein oeuvre. And so like, I, then I, now I've had to write to the company and say, hey, I never got these. And they say, well, it was shown as delivered. And Hmm. again maybe a little bit of a weird story so i said i'm sure i didn't get it what we did get at one point was a book of like a german songbook and like nothing about where it came from and so i'm like is this a gift because i didn't order this and and that was a bit of mystery for like the last six eight weeks and now finally i'm thinking that's what it was they must have maybe crossed in the mail that they boxed my shell silversteins and sent them to somebody else right and i got their german songbook so that's my next step in following up but that that's you know so she's got shell silverstein coming i'm trying to, i'm nice. trying to think it was i i whenever i can find um interesting books of things i know she already likes i've been able to um, find another kurt vonnegut book a number of years, which is kind of amazing because he's dead 20 years, you know what I mean? Right. But they continue to go through his archives, put together, here's some um, love letters to his wife, and they're still Kurt Vonnegut. They're very witty and very, they're beautiful, if you know what I mean. And so I love when I find another thing about, maybe we talked about this last time, Louisa May Alcott. No, yeah. sorry, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Wilder. It's yes. funny, you know, I have some glitch in my brain that says, name a three word <laughs> author, you know, that, that happened to write. So Laura Ingalls Wilder, I managed to find like little house on the prairie extensions and whatever else. I, I am always on the lookout for um, if they're still alive, are they still writing? And I get her the latest of her favorites. And then others where it's like, if they're still doing this kind of archival work. I try to find out when it comes out and make sure that she still has every, everything you could get from, from Kurt nice. to get that kind right. of thing. So I got her a bunch of music. We, uh, we don't have enough Christmas music. We only have like 40 CDs and so on. Gotta get <laughs> so, more. <laughs> exactly. So I already had Man, I'm Steamroller. I had, well, I found uh, Dolly Parton 
made a couple of beautiful Christmas albums and we had just seen the Dolly Parton biography and, and she's yeah. she's sweet and wonderful and like you know has made the pit the town of pigeon for it. just she's like their fairy godmother you know what I mean so a couple of those I got um, from John Denver because Colleen really loves his voice as I do and he did a couple of Christmas albums and right. until you look for him you might not have bumped into him but then we it's like oh it's not just one it's one two three four right yeah, so yeah. I get the two least expensive ones that have the most recognizable songs on them and then that gives me material for future years you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, and uh and got her a whole bunch of springsteen we well, i right. followed behind and making sure that i was current with springsteen she has a, a album from springsteen called the seeger sessions you know where he did oh. all those old arlo guthrie pete seeger songs you know we shall overcome and just beautiful wow i didn't know songs, that if you will from the early 19th yes early 20th century um and so she really loves his voice and so i even if these aren't that material he's written protest songs all of his career if you will yeah, you know what i mean yeah. so many of his songs are about the working man and getting through life and it's not easy and stuff like that falling right. in and out of love so i got her a bunch of springsteen uh, and, and just that i was able to find like things for the particular niches and i must admit there's also a certain amount of you know colleen when you're done with that i might have to spirit that upstairs right yeah because i want to listen to it too yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, so. yeah we definitely uh she, she i kept telling her for the supernatural thing she kept trying to guess she's like did you get me a puppy i'm like yes i got you a puppy and wrapped it and put it under the tree exactly. it's Don't going to the be there too much exactly. yeah <laughs> she said well did you get me a camper i'm like where would i put a camper that you couldn't see it with a big you know? bow on it yeah exactly. you know she's on and on and on so then she finally and i told her i said look uh it's something that uh, is kind of for both of us she's like fine you got something that you want that you like right, i'm like some camping equipment yeah, yeah. right <laughs> i'm like well kind of not really i mean if it was just me i don't know if i would have got it but you it's something that uh we both want and i didn't want to say something we can do or whatever i didn't want to give that away i said something right. we both want she's like well is it something that i want or something that you want that you're giving me you know right. and so right. that made it even better she was like it was you know perfect yes i get it now it's exactly what she wants i like it and we're both going to go together so it's a double yeah. because it's kind of a getaway for the two of us so it's yes. not only the supernatural convention but kind of a date weekend <laughs> that really that's wonderful and especially it's wonderful when even when they give you the 20 questions i'm going to try to figure this out and they don't get it and then you still manage to surprise them in a way that really pleases them right you did a good thing that's that well and, done and Very i had cool. several kids going well what'd you get mom i'm like i'm not telling you well i won't tell her <laughs> yeah bull crap you guys always right. tell her everything <laughs> three can keep a secret if two are dead right. you know that yeah. <laughs> i'm not telling any of you you can all just that's suffer <laughs> and of course so okay so the big thing was we've got a, a 13 and a half year old okay. a teenager whatever right before christmas he drops his kindle into the dishwater and so Ooh. now he has no kindle <laughs> which I, I you know i, I it's like okay i want to get irritated but honestly he's had the thing for a year and a half it cost 35 dollars so wow i didn't realize they were that inexpensive That's when they're on sale when they're on sale okay. you can get okay. them for 35 bucks i'm like yeah. so i can't get too awfully mad but i'm not gonna run out and get you a replacement well, we had gotten him a switch for Christmas. Okay. So he's got that now and he watches YouTube on it more than plays games, whatever. Interesting. Okay. But Gina, for whatever reason, 
ordered him weaponry for Christmas. I'm like, why did we get a 13 year old weaponry? And, and uh, not some machine guns or anything. It's he, she was wanting to get like he a likes, machete, like a sword. I mean, right. like, what well, are we talking he, here? He likes to get masks and he likes to okay. dress up. He likes to do cosplay type stuff. And okay. and he like he's a boy. He likes the the things with weapons, the swords, the guns, the mercenaries, and all that type of stuff. Got so it. Boba Fett-ish. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she found some prop guns, and she ordered oh. some prop guns. They were prop guns, but fully functional prop guns that shoot pellets, not bullets. Okay. She she, she got them a couple size. Uh, so it's like Deadpool. That's what she was thinking, that they'd be like Deadpool and pulling out. No, okay. they're real training weapons that they use in dojos and stuff. The things weigh like two pounds each and could probably skewer a pig. And uh, you, you, know, you put like a button on the end of it. And if you take it off, it really could pierce. You know what I mean? Yes. Even, even a blunt thing, if it's a long slender blunt thing, yes. jam it in. Right. Oh my. So, okay. so he's opened up all these weapons and all the air kids are like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Are you ready for the post-apocalyptic <laughs> world, I guess. Yeah. You know? And they're all looking at me. I'm like, why are you looking at me? Well, why would you? I didn't get him the I weapons. Him. <laughs> so he, he's got, he, I mean, the one toy weapon he did get was this yeah. long staff that has two rubber sword or blades on the end. It's from some anime he likes. Okay. Uh, we got some mass. So, I mean, you know, but I mean, he, he opened up a gun and he opened up a sword and a spear. I mean, what and, message should I be getting here? You know, it's well, like, yeah, yeah. When we and, boot you out of the house, you're going to yes. have to fend for your own. So we're giving you guns. Exactly. <laughs> she got him a, uh, a small bow and arrow set. I mean, it'll really shoot bows and arrows because I mean, he pulls it out first thing. I'm like, no, you are not shooting that in the house. That's not in the house. Exactly. (laughs) So he gets a board, like a two inch by two inch board says, here, I'll just shoot at this. Dude, you are not going to get that board. Oh my God. (laughs) So. Wow. That, I, you know, I'm trying to think what, you know, besides Colleen and I did a nice, you know, we, and her, she does handmade bows. They're all beautifully made. Nice. So I always take pictures and it's like, this, this is like, you know, this is professional level stuff. She really does. So coming down the stairs for a Christmas morning when we both elfed things under the tree and stuff <laughs> like that, it really is beautiful. Um, and, and, and to my family members, I sent like, you know, my older brother loves marzipan and his wife uh, likes chocolate. And so I sent, you know, I, I, I made a point of not trying to be practical or think of what book might they like when you when you only see them you know twice a year you really don't have a feel for what music books etc but who doesn't want to work their way through some arts upon for christmas or whatever <laughs> like that and so i did that my mom and dad have always liked the um cherries in fondant covered by chocolate you know what oh, i mean it's really yeah. decadent gooey but they've always loved those and so when i sent them a box of those as well as some frango mints because we grew up in chicago and that was always a christmas treat is to have these particular frango mints from marshall field and company and my they they were when we had our christmas call they were happy to say you know we put those things out on the pool table and every time we walk by we see how strong our will is and well the cherries were the first to go because they couldn't resist them every time they walked past so i it's nice to to remember you know who likes what my my younger brother is always like really simple things like chocolate covered nuts chocolate covered raisins and you know i and it's kind of funny, not really a Christmassy thing. I got them the big thing from Costco, you know, like it's a, a, a it's it's a huge, it's a huge amount. Let's put it that it's way. It's Costco. Everything's big. It's Costco. Exactly. <laughs> I got them a bale of chocolate covered <laughs> peanuts or whatever nice. like that and some mixed nuts. And so for 
them being able to get together, play games when I, when I had the Christmas call uh, with them, they were playing Jenga and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just like, this is all the munchies that my parents used to keep around the house when we were having Christmas. It wasn't only when right. we had a big Christmas dinner, we perpetually had little uh, chocolate bells in silver paper. We had, you know, um, <laughs> The German coins, you know what I mean? The gelt, that German coin wrapped in gold foil. That was a very much a traditional thing. Nuts right. with a nutcracker, all that. I tried to, and, and Colleen and I were trying to stay away from all that stuff. So it was also, if I send this away, then, then I, I won't I've had the experience of touching chocolate, but I did not myself right. open the box. So, <laughs> right. So, so you guys got any uh, New Year's plans? You doing anything? Um, we're really not. You know, it's, 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 um, we're still in, we're not vaccinated. The world is still funky. This is terrible. We, we have, we've never found a perfect thing to do for new years. We've had really wonderful times. We've gotten together with friends to play games. We've gone to a comedy show. We've gone to a concert. I think my Trans-Siberian orchestra, but those things aren't constant year to year. So you always have to be looking for what are we going to do? We've never found the one thing is this is what we're going to do. One of our favorite things to do is live comedy. It's just our favorite night out. A guy we really like Rocky Laporte is going to be at hilarities our favorite club to go to and so this has been honestly the most tempted we've been the entire year um, <laughs> if we really dress in a full body condom and we sat away from everybody else <laughs> right. could we go to this thing and we're still not going to do it uh. we, we're just being really careful we had friends that they said they did a little bit of travel and then they they had a smidge of covid it's like what does that mean? That is just a smidge of something that could kill you. Right. And, and that, and, and I don't know, I, I don't want to all the investment we put into being careful up till now. I kind of right. don't want to be, then I weekend and we got together with family and indeed one of the family works in a medical place, in a place where there's a whole bunch of downstate public that don't care about the mask restrictions as much as we do here. And then I came home and started coughing. I just can't. Yeah. It. I I don't want to give it to Colleen. I don't want to have any difficulties. And so until the all clear is sounded, we really are going to, you know, we'll watch. We have a whole bunch of stuff. We'll watch another baking show episode. We'll watch another comedy special at home. (laughs) We'll make our own little hors d'oeuvres, our favorite. You know, maybe it'll be like steak night for her, pizza night for me. You know, we'll we'll do something that really pleases us. But, But for now... It's just, it just isn't, we, we don't want to venture outside. If we yep. do anything, it'll be like New Year's Day. We'll go for a walk in the Metro Parks. Cold, crisp, that's always snow good. crunching underfoot. That's probably Maybe. what we're going to end up doing. <laughs> or you know, rain. And that's true. Unless if the weather's <laughs> terrible, then we won't do it. And that is something where if you wear a mask and when anybody else is on the trail with you, you give each other a wide berth and yeah. stuff. It still seems to be with the great outdoors, pretty safe. There's there's no there's no way you can get trapped at a pinch point where okay now we're breathing on each other oh boy what's going on um so i I don't know do you guys have any new year's plans are you getting together family or something no not really living together you know yeah yeah we've got one kid working one kid going to be up in cleveland with a friend uh so it's just a couple of us going to be here but yeah it's the same thing we could get together with my cousin but again you know you don't want to pass my my hit my cousin's wife just got done with chemo and cancer this year. So she's oh, still a little, risk. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't want to oh do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, just probably go be here. Um, you know, I miss first night in Akron. I, that's something I wished was still around, but 
Other than I mean, that. We went there one year and really liked it. I didn't know they weren't doing it anymore. Uh, maybe oh. post-COVID, they'll revive it. Maybe. Well, it sure. wasn't even COVID. Uh, it was last year, I think. Uh, so two years ago, when I was with Gina, I said, look, we, we let's go to first night. It's going to be fun, etc." And she was still, I believe, working 12s and overnights in Geneva. So oh, it was like, I, I can't. Okay, then we'll do it next year. So then the following year, all right, we're going, oh, man. They just made the announcement that they, they canceled, canceled first it. night and they're not doing it ever again. They said, oh, so, no. and that was last year. Uh, I think they said that. So you don't even have the opportunity. Yeah. Oh boy. Honestly, I, that's sad. You know what I mean? I, for I'm, I wonder how many things that were around pre COVID it's not COVID that stopped it, but that for other reasons, I just, there's a uh, um, rights of spring fest, Roz fest. That's a big progressive rock festival up in new England. And I never made it there. And now I just found out they're not doing it anymore. I'll right. never make it there. And that's a heartbreaker. You know what I mean? For all those plans that you think, well, when we have the time and the money and the vacation and everything like that, and then it, that thing isn't available anymore, right. you know? So we will see. I'm hoping that Comic-Cons will start back up and my pinball show will start back yeah. up. And yet, <laughs> it really could be that what I'll have now is memories of good times, not the chance to build new memories. Yeah, that's going to be heartbreaking if there's no more comedy festivals, if there's no more, you know what I mean? Where's my Yeah, it's going to be different. I, yeah. Well, so one of my things, I love Christmas time. And I think a large part of it has been when the kids were little, I love doing Christmas at the kids going to castle Noel and the lights and Christmas caroling and just doing all the Christmas things. And I had a problem, you know, come the new year, come January that I would get in a state of depression. It's just like nothing all over. Yes. You know, it's like, Oh, I got to go to work. And it just really would affect me and I'd get over it. And I'd know why I'm feeling that way. And I could work around it. But I was talking to Colin, it's a little different now because all the kids are grown, except Jason. And so Christmas is still great, but not quite like it was when they were eight. And, yeah. and I, I stopped focusing so much on Christmas Day. And we, we take the whole month, month and a half of time. And we do so much with Christmas and it's just yeah. a whole joyous time. But yeah. to get over that, I've designated January as Star Wars month. So we, <laughs> we watch Star Wars movies and the music and read the books and comics. And I just, yeah, there's so much out there that you really yes. can fill a month, you know, that's yeah. great. Okay. So it gives me something to look forward to and anticipate. And so I'm breaking that whole thing. And next year for us, we've got just, geez, oh man, so many things. I've got like three different writer uh, conferences I'm going to go to. Okay. Um, we were supposed to this year it, on the 31st of uh, October, Halloween, which was Saturday. We were supposed to be at a writer's conference in New Orleans. What better could you have had? Really? You know, Cos cosplay Omundo. Yes. Exactly. Okay. You know, yeah. but so that got canceled, but it got pushed off to 2021. So that's okay. what we have in October. But besides that, I've got another one in September in Nashville that we've been planning for a little over a year, but even better, uh, there's one earlier in the year, we're going to be in Salem, Massachusetts. So, so those are all great cities to go to besides yeah. the conference. There's so much. To exactly. That's very, we're, very cool. Yeah. We're planning extra time, especially Salem, because last year, the story I wrote for the kids was set at Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. So we're going to go visit some of the sites and stuff that I put in the book that I've never actually been to yet. So, okay. so 
We had a, a series of good talks. A, a, a member of Cleveland Area Mensa, Catherine Karisman, if I remember correctly, has been to Salem on like their their Halloween night, their big cosplay, and, and they do have they have all kinds of events, historic things, recreations, books, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, we've I've thought that would be a really cool thing to do. Just if you're looking, and it's kind of funny, even though I go to Halloween every year in Chicago, I don't want to miss that. But there's many cool Halloween places to go to. And so if they don't really do it directly on Halloween, but they've made an entire Halloween month out of it, I'd love to go just see some fall leaves up in New England, wander around Salem and see all the cool spook stuff. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. So hopefully, you know, we'll be to do a little more traveling and do some yeah. stuff this year. And our, we got our cabin, we got a few plaques and stuff and uh, she got a doorbell to hang up at the cabin and stuff. Okay. So you know, fun yeah. things to we look have forward no, to. We have no travel planned for sure. The best, the, the first thing will be when we get a chance that we can fly again safely and not bring things with us to visit my mom and dad. You know, they're out in California right. and it'll be January. It'll be a year since I've seen them. And I don't think we've ever wow. let it more than a year go by ever of, of getting a chance to visit them. They usually try to do two visits a year. So that'll be a big thing is that as soon as we can get out there. And then, like I said, you know, we have uh, a whole bunch of built up, what national parks haven't we been to? We're going to Yosemite and the whole North Carol, uh, California er, uh, area. Um, nice. We we love our driving vacations, and so let's drive down to over to Shenandoah National Park, which we haven't been doing. In fact, they just they just made a new national park at New Gorge in West Virginia, New River Gorge, and so that'll be a nice twofer. You know, we've been already been to uh, Acadia, we've been to um, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. There's only so many in the east; many of them are out west. We've always wanted to go back to Moab and do some hiking again in Utah because you're right near Canyonlands and Arches yeah. and various other. So all those are we want to do and we'll see when the world becomes available. We've also um, had European travel on the list for a while and we're getting to where we really can do that. Colleen has enough vacation. We're okay with money. And yet that takes some planning. You know what I mean? Right. You really have to look for what's the right season and the right money and where you're going to go in and out of. So hopefully some of those possibilities will turn into realities as soon as it's like safe to do so <laughs> yeah I mean? hopefully so, yeah yeah so, okay uh, um so happy new year even yes. if it'll be quiet for the both of us i'm i you know it's kind of funny i haven't had a single drink this year you know i'm not a drinker but most of the time i give myself something for new year's things at halloween those things didn't happen and so i'm really thinking am i gonna have something on new year's eve or am i gonna wait till 1201 so i can say wow a whole year without a whole year <laughs> yeah and, and it's, it's not like a big achievement you know by that meaning i'm not a drinker it's not right. that i had to kind of stop because i have to <laughs> but it, it's it's just interesting that something i i like i still haven't done it because all the context in which i do it it's a social thing for me and i've had no social exactly so so we'll see. We, we, you know, as you know, I host pretentious drinking right. at Halloween each year. And a lot of people have been saying as they've been finding things, hey, it would really be cool to have this at. And so I have a long list of new additions for pretentious drinking, you know, that 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 it'll be it'll be a blowout next year. Yeah, we usually have a cool. hundred things to try. I'm gonna shoot for like 120, 30, 50. I'm wow. gonna try to make it the biggest year ever. And wow. I think that that Chicago money wise and me money wise we can sponsor making it the biggest ever so we'll, that would we'll be see cool I, would be my cool. my favorite new one that i discovered <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean you've heard of fireball uh they have that but jack daniels and jim beam both make their own version of the fireball and we've tried them recently and they are so much better than the regular fireball uh, and that's been 
every now and then I'll take a sip of that. And cause it's a little, you know, some alcohol, but that the flavor, the cinnamon yeah. burn and all it's just, I really enjoy it lately. Jim Bean drinks by itself better than the Jack Daniels, but the Jack Daniels tastes really good with Coke. Uh, the Jim Beam's a little too sweet, I think. Okay. But, What's interesting is, and I, I say we, we really talked about pretentious drinking before. I'm kind of a purist in terms of <laughs> I hardly have any flavored right. um, whiskeys, vodkas, gins. There's all kinds of that stuff out there. I really go for liqueurs and cordials where it's been made to be its own thing instead right. of it started off as whiskey and then they added cinnamon or they added right, popcorn right. or whatever else. So <laughs> I'll have to look for, like one of the things that somebody recommended was, you know, we've had Jepson's Malort since the very start. And I don't know if you ever had it. It's no. incredibly bitter and nasty. It's the challenge shot where when someone walks up to me at the tables and says, hey, give me one of your best and one of your worst. It's like, well, the best might be a matter of your taste but I know what the worst is. Follow well, me. <laughs> there we go. I, if we're, if we get to do Chicago this year, I'm going to ask for that. I'm going to mark it down. I'm going to put it on my calendar. <laughs> exactly. We, we will clink glasses and then you and I can capture the incredible look of disgust on each other's faces. It's like, I did this again. I knew how bad this is. And I had it again. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Maybe there's a world record. The most people taking a shot of that at the same time. <laughs> Honestly, the, the most cries of horror, you know, right. what's funny is, that Jefferson's Buller is one of the particulars that people said not only it's a, it's bitters and so that's kind of a, a mixer for other things right. but now they actually have a Jefferson's Buller liqueur we're like okay so they took that vat of horror and then they rendered it down further to make it more concentrated yes it's let's the have that stuff off the bottom they scraped <laughs> exactly <laughs> you were talking about drinking uh Adam doesn't like to drink a whole lot about the only thing he drinks is the Jones orange hard soda okay uh, that's what he likes so okay but he absolutely loves to mix drinks and make mixed drinks. So we got him a whole mixology kit last year and he will so make he drinks. Be a family for... alchemist. That's yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's good and bad sometimes. It's like, well, here, <laughs> I made this. Try it. Well, what's in it? You know. Right. But uh, and we're working on because he has recipes. We've gotten him, you know, several books and tablets, whatever, of recipes. Yeah. And I'm trying to get him to understand that you can put a little more alcohol in than they call for at times or a little bit more. He goes strictly by the, what it says. Really algorithmic. I mean, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah, to the, recipe. Okay. Yeah. the one time he was putting some alcohol to measure it out and he went a little over the line. So he goes over to the sink and he like tips it out. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, Let me take a sip. She's a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you need to get the meniscus down to here, there's a nice geeky word. I'll help you with that. Right. Oop. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. Okay. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Have a wonderful New Year's and, and we'll we'll see how we survived it on next Tuesday. Yep. And hey, <laughs> okay. we need to talk about uh, the the deep dive you mentioned. We'll have to get to that. And if we really want to get somebody on to interview, we got to see who we can get and who our first one would be. That'd be Honestly, awesome. One of the things that I had mentioned, you know, as usual, we have a huge list of what we might talk about. <laughs> like one of our New Year's resolutions can be as much as we love doing this and having a chat with each other, it'd be very cool to bring on po folks that we like their work, that we yeah. that we know they're good local and stuff like that. So if we put together a brainstorm a list and then start to send out the emails yeah. and say, hey, Ted, you want to come talk to us? It'd be very cool if we started to have a once a month guest or however successful we are. If we ended up that that's part of each show is that we started to have people on. See, yeah. a rail seems to be 
sure, I'll talk to you for an hour. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk about geek stuff for an hour? That's the qualification. Exactly. It says Nathan Fillion. Yes, I can. Exactly. If we got Nathan Fillion, it it better be longer than an hour. (laughs) I want to invite him out to a barbecue. That's what I want. Invite Nathan Fillion out to a barbecue. (laughs) I, I know we're over. And yet I have to mention this. So um, a friend of mine taught a course on the fire sign theater, you know, good, good comedy albums from the right. 60s to now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got the two surviving members to be on the first show at, at, in an interview to like set the stage and here. And, and so it just nice. was such a wonderful get. I've admired them for so long have had such affection for them for so long and then to just see them on there saying oh yeah here's what we did here's what we're thinking about when we did that right they were wonderful guests they were so charming and they had they had all had kinds of great stories they were they had like they were funny you know what i mean that like yeah. people are just they, they exude humor they have a nice funny take on virtually everything and so if we had that opportunity to, you know, to have fun guests on like that, people that we've always liked their work and then, and here they are in the studio. It's with us, not, if you will. <laughs> not just because they have a new movie coming out or something. Right. It's somebody, not, not, you know, not the pumping of things. Yes. It's an appreciation of for my author podcast. I focus on new authors. So these are people with maybe one, maybe two books. And almost every time they're like, wow, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do an interview. They're so excited because they've never done one and they get on. Right. They're like, well, I don't know what to do. I've never been on one of these. So I've got like, I believe the most new authors interviewed than anyone else. I believe <laughs> really that the recognition, the exposure, that's got to be a yeah. wonderful thing for them and for you. Exactly. You know? So, so that's, cool. you know, I like that more than, oh, it's Tom Cruise again, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. All, All right, right, man. Now we're done. We're done. We're done. Go away. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week.